like scary movies? Uh-huh. I'm getting ready to watch a video. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. What's, what's, what's your favorite? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. Talk to me. Talk, talk to me. Hi everybody, I'm George and welcome to the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. And today's guest is the host of a very fun music podcast. Please welcome my buddy, Brad LeBaron from Flyover State Park and the album Concept Hour. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing very well. Glad to have you on here finally. This has been a long time in the making, like we were just talking uh, yeah. off off air, but yeah. excited to get you on here and talking about this movie in particular. Yeah, you still have your your, your brain put together after after experiencing this film. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Hey, you, you know uh, <laughs> you, when you're when you're a sicko like me, <laughs> this is actually the good stuff. It's like num num so, num. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with horror? Because Between today's pick of The Holy Mountain and You've Got Mail, uh, June has been a month of untraditional picks, (laughs) I would say, for horror here. Yeah, I did listen to the the You've Got Mail episode, and uh, I I, I thought for a little bit in the the episode, like, is is there another movie that... That I'm thinking about, um, but uh, yeah, you 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 definitely you know uh, transitioned into like yeah, yeah no this is the movie and it's like oh after listening to the episode, it is a pretty horrific story. So it is. Uh, Tom Hanks, yeah. that guy's a psycho. <laughs> that guy, I mean, you know, and the character is pretty crazy too. <laughs> yeah, for for a guy that's infamous for calling that one guy dead eyes, you know, he's <laughs> he's, he's one himself in this one. Um, that's right. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, as far as like my intro into uh, my beginnings with horror and this movie, there's a wide chasm between those two things. When I was young, I was uh, raised in a uh, kind of fundamentalist Christian household. So uh, quote unquote secular things weren't really allowed. And that included horror films and, uh, you know, a lot of cool music you know the best music is uh you know the, the stuff that the fucking <laughs> satan worships would make so uh so um yeah there was uh, a lot of blind spots for me um for a long time and uh i'll share my most probably embarrassing story about horror i went over to a friend's house very young it was maybe my first time being at a friend's house and you know they're trying to watch a horror movie that's like definitely like above our age range right they were gonna watch chucky i think it was and being the kid that I was, I was like, "Oh no, no, I can't, uh, I can't do that." You know, I'll, uh, I'll hang out in the other room or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I just don't think Jesus would want me to do that. <laughs> Jesus famously hates Chucky in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> talking dolls are a big no-no. Yeah, they didn't. They omitted that part in the Bible, but you know, he did talk about that. I mean, he could see the future after all. That's right. It's in the <laughs> supplementary materials. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not widely distributed, but uh, they're out there. <laughs> top, um, top headline. Fuck Chucky. I hate that guy. <laughs> Chucky, you guys don't know what I'm talking about yet, but in a couple thousand years, you guys are going to know. That's right. The 13th Apostle, Chuck, was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell, man? Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about a, a toy come to life. What? <laughs> Jesus must have been a trip to hang out with, man. Just always always calling out these weird things that that are in in distant times. So, yeah, this is where I started out uh, to give you kind of an example of where I was then for probably a long time until I was in maybe my 20s and starting to get into my college years did I actually start to finally, you know, ingest some of the classic horror films and, you know, that's uh, uh, at the end of long nights of drinking with my friends, you know, kind of the best time to 
like get into those movies i think sure you know i've i've seen some classics like you know uh return of the living dead was one that my friends showed me that was kind of mind-blowing to me when i first saw it yeah i've kind of uh relied on my friends to really kind of educate me on the horror movies that are important and uh, uh one thing i will say though is like i think of the 90s and 2000s i didn't really understand horror because i didn't understand that like campiness was part of it sometimes <laughs> and that it, it you know the fact that it wasn't necessarily scaring me wasn't like a, a bad thing that's like right it's you know, not a flaw in every instance yeah 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 um because then you know then we got to the age of like just jump scares or whatever yeah so i just fundamentally didn't understand for a long time and uh now it's just a nice thing that i you know dip into every now and again this you know holy mountain was one of the first uh strange movies that i you know encountered i guess right. uh, uh outside of my my normal um you know <laughs> the really insulated upbringing so I'm curious then, do you have a favorite subgenre? And I'm also curious to hear about your opinion on some of these like religious horror icons like The Exorcist and stuff like that. Is that something that appeals to you more or is oh, it something yeah. that you kind of shy away from? So I will say when I was a, a like fundamentalist Christian myself and I saw one of those films, I did see it. I think the I think we saw The Exorcism of Emily Rose uh, uh, down in the basement. And um that one really freaked me out uh, as someone that, you know, believed in hell and believed in, you know, demons and stuff. I was like, oh, shit, that's I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this one bit because uh, for me, you know, um, I know I know plenty of, uh, uh, you know, former current Christians probably understand this. But the the fear of hell and the, the horror of hell really kind of supersedes you know, any any depiction that you can see on the screen a lot of the times. So, um, yeah, that kind of, uh, I, I think that's probably why, uh, you know, I like the subgenre of uh, psychological horror, you know. Mm, that's sure. usually where I am just in my sweet spot because I can psychologically horrify myself to no end, you know what I mean? But the, <laughs> but I'm desensitized to, like, violence and stuff. I'm a millennial, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, there's some more violence. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Yeah. Um, but like we talked about, today's pick is 1973's The Holy Mountain, directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky, and a perfect one for us specifically yeah. to discuss, yeah. because when I went on your show, I brought the concept album Pink Lemonade by Trojan in Moscow, yeah. itself highly inspired by The Holy Mountain. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even I didn't even remember that. But yeah, that's that's totally true. Because I was like, "Hey, that's like that's like the guy. That's like the Holy yeah. Mountain guy on the cover. What's the what's up with this?" I think that literally is how we first started talking about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because I was because yeah. That's I mean, if you've seen this movie, like you don't forget uh, a lot of the imagery in the movie. You know what I mean? It 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 right. It sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, to to get into a little bit of how I heard about it. So it was uh in my friend group. It was like kind of a, a myth that my friend had kind of spread on his own, my friend Mario. He had gone to the Beloit International Film Festival. Shout out to, you know, our local film fest. Hell yeah. Shout out to Beloit Film Fest. And uh, he, he uh, went with his mom to go see Holy Mountain, which, you know, neither of them knew anything about. And, you know, I, I, his mom was <laughs> a real so trooper. That's uh, really funny. She, and a funny image to me. She... <laughs> To her credit, she stayed through the whole thing and watched it with him. It was yeah. like 
great parent behavior in my opinion um and uh because this is something that really kind of formed his like sensibilities like it was probably the most you know intense movie he'd ever seen and uh just hearing him describe this movie was just like it was just a kind of a fun story to hear uh every time he would bring it up (laughs) because he would always bring up new you know uh uh uh, seemingly insane things you know every time he told it um and then yeah finally we got a hold of it uh i think it was some kind of you know lime wire rip or something and uh yeah i finally got to experience it and understand the like complete bafflement on his face every time he told this story hell yeah yeah. hell yeah that um that rocks shout out to mario's mom that's great for her yeah she rocked (laughs) (laughs) she was great man (laughs) it's funny you know it's, it's not on the same level but my mom and i went without really knowing anything about it to go see call me by your name together (laughs) <laughs> okay like, okay we walked out of there and we were like well it was really good like it was a really good movie <laughs> yeah well we, had, we both had a great time so <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh uh, well i guess <laughs> it's quality you know yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah. are you generally a jodorowsky fan or does is this just have that kind of word of mouth cult status for you uh this one's definitely a word of mouth cult status like I have not I've always meant to you know go through and experience his other films like you know the the, the previous film to this uh El Topo That's is right. the uh what some people consider his best or whatever probably most critically successful or something but I haven't seen it yet it looks great Yeah I just the legacy of of the Jodorowsky and his kind of cult following including he who shall not be named in uh, hip hop. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that he is just, he's probably had like a, 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 I don't know, difficult to explain influence on media culture. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. Certainly people from like LA and people in film know all about his exploits, but I mean, you're not going to like go to like a family gathering and, and be like, Hey, uh, you guys seen Holy mountain. You guys want to talk about Holy mountain? <laughs> <laughs> you know, mom, what did you think of Fondo Elise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's watch this uh, scene together. You guys want to you know talk about the imagery? That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am a big Jodorowsky fan. Okay. I uh, have seen a bunch of his movies. I, I think El Topo is fantastic. I think The Holy Mountain is fantastic. Yeah. It were this not the best horror movie ever made today. Yeah. I might say that my favorite is Santa Sangre. Okay. Okay. I think it's really fantastic and it's pulling a lot from Psycho, which is one of my favorite movies, so that's like a match mm-hmm. made in heaven mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also watched The Rainbow Thief, uh, just in, as because I rewatched a bunch of his movies leading yeah. up to today because I was yeah. like, let me just like sort of re reground myself in that world. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I yeah I watched The Rainbow Thief with Christopher Lee and um, oh Christopher and, uh, Lee is involved. Yeah. And oh holy he, shit! He's he's only in it for a little bit, okay. and it's very strange. It's it's interesting because it's very theatrical. It almost feels a little yeah. like Shakespearean the story. Mm-hmm. And Alejandro did start in stage, and so it's yeah. like, it's like kind of interesting to see that aspect come out in a way that I don't really feel like comes out in a lot of his other work that I've seen. So uh, okay. even though it wasn't fantastic, especially compared to some of the other stuff, it was definitely at least worthwhile, I think. Well, yeah, he is like what we'd call in the, the concept album uh, world a concept artist. Like right. he's one of those guys where – 
his entire you know filmography is concept conceptual and that's the at the forefront of everything is the very interesting weird you know imagery and uh what was it called the panic movement was that what it was called? that's right that's yeah, exactly yeah, right yeah um where yeah they were just like <laughs> pissing people off all over the place <laughs> with this weird ass shit on <laughs> their movies <laughs> yeah well it is interesting because his work does tend to deal with humanity's failure to grasp the world around us and yeah. that confrontational and heady approach you know, it's not surprising necessarily that it yeah. alienates some people yeah. and influences the reception that his movies generally get. Yeah, yeah. I have had friends that, you know, we've shut this off halfway through. <laughs> when, it got, when it got to the box scene. Uh, yeah. The giant box. Halfway is pretty good, to be honest. Well, I was about to say, that's, <laughs> kind of, that's kind of the turning point, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's when it stops being like just a, a bunch of scenes and there's like characters that you're following. <laughs> right, right. The movies are also meticulously choreographed to communicate ideas through movement and spatial arrangement. Yes, um, very much The so. exaggerated expressionism of this can also rub people the wrong way, yeah. uh, much like uh, another example would be like M. Night's dialogue. And it's it's so fascinating to me because that's part of the thing. And it works yeah. for me. But some yeah. people just like keep watching the movies and then being surprised that it's in there. And they're like, I can't believe people talk weird in this M night Shyamalan movie. It's like, <laughs> that's what the movies are. Like stop going to them. If you're going to be mad about that. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and if M night Shyamalan, like what took like, and, and made everything look like a freaky Tim Burton circus, maybe, maybe that would go across more or something, but right. with this, you can't ignore it. Exactly. You know? it's, yeah. The expressionism is so part and parcel to yeah, Jodorowsky's yeah. whole whole thing here. Yeah, then, yeah. Uh, if you're not down work. for any, if you're not down for strangeness of all kinds, right, you're, <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> Some other hallmarks of Jodorowsky's include casting his sons in his movies and a heavy dose of mysticism. Uh, the man calls himself a psycho magician. Which That's is right. to say that he develops his own strain of shamanism that emphasizes the way the brain understands dream logic more than rationality, and the way manifesting psychological realizations through concrete art can cause transformation. And so an example of this yeah. uh, was a vain judge was tasked with begging in costume outside of a fashionable restaurant while pulling <laughs> glass doll eyes out of his pockets to teach him. <laughs> That if a tramp can fill his pockets with eyeballs, then they must be of no value, and thus the eyes of others should have no bearing on who you are and what you do. Whoa. Is this a letterboxed review? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is his book about oh, that's his book Psycho of... Magician. Wow. So this is him describing that scene. Right. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Sorry, I missed that. I missed the setup. That's insane. <laughs> like yeah. I th I thought like this was like a rabid fan or something, but no, this is uh this was in That's him. his intent. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it does feel intentional, however strange it is. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Go yeah. off, King, right? He's doing yeah. his thing. He's yeah. saying that it's it's about dream logic and that it yeah. doesn't need to make sense necessarily in a yeah. rational way. We go, yeah. what the fuck is that going to teach him? It's about tricking your brain, I guess is what he's saying. And it yeah. understands yeah. that it, it understands that surrealist stuff more on an like undercurrent level yeah. than just saying like, oh, well, you shouldn't care what people think. 
Yeah, yeah, which is just a, you know the the very surface of of the surreal you know conversation, right? You know, and yeah, he he just takes the surrealist and just goes balls to the wall. Well, I mean, and I didn't mean that as a pun, but it is kind <laughs> of a pun in this instance. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, um, the ball he wall. was born. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Chile to in 1929 to a pair of carnival performers, uh, which also influences his movies, oh, as yeah, well, yeah. I suspect, uh, his proclivity for self-mythologizing. Mm-hmm. And he started his own theater troupe at 18, and if you can believe it, the plays also look strange and align with his visual style. <laughs> yeah, I was watching like a, a YouTube video to prepare for this, just going over you know each of his works uh, leading up, and um, yeah, I didn't realize he had so much other stuff before Holy Mountain. That's right. There's just there's the movie, but then there's all the stage plays that he was you know directing all over the place. That's right. So. And and then he went to Paris to study mime under Marcel Marceau. <laughs> it truly, Dude like, it's passionate about his his craft, you know? It's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. And this is where he fell in with the surrealists and developed an interest in film. Off to the races, as they say. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. In Mexico City is where he developed that panic theater uh, offshoot of surrealism that emphasized chaos. I saw a bit of one of these shows that had been recorded, and it does oh, seem really? like a nightmare. Lots of discordant brass instruments. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I've been to just, some just rough. I've been to some art shows that veer in a little bit in this direction, you know. Yeah, uh, live and uh, like like if you go to like uh, 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 noise uh, yeah. uh, shows, I don't I don't know if anyone out there's been to noise shows, but that's yeah, that's that's the weirdest music sure. show you're gonna get probably, you know. Yeah, former guest of the show on the Basket Case episode is the performer Chop, 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 which I think I said it seven times. Seven, seven times. Okay, I was about to get it. I think it's it's Chop seven times, I think is actually what it goes by, the the project. Yeah, I'm sure that people got, you know, immediately were like, I'm not saying Chop seven times. I'm just going (laughs) to say Chop. Seven times. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and he, he does a lot of cool yeah. noise stuff as well. So. So, so you think that it would be safe to say that, that his film style is almost like the noise of movies? Wow. I think that that's exactly right. I yeah. think you've, you've yeah. nailed it there. Mm-hmm. You could sit and meditate to noise, you know. Sure, go, sure. Go all sorts let of the c- Let the cacophony wash over you. Yeah, yeah. His work, not just on stage, but literally through today, courts controversy, and he developed a reputation as a provocateur. <laughs> one of the one of the quotes that I feel like really defines his vibe uh, is he said, terrible things and beautiful things go together. Yeah. I mean, I dig it. <laughs> That's him, man. That's I, I, him. I dig that. <laughs> Interestingly, though, he does fall into kind of this element of counterculture where people define themselves by what they're not first. It reminds me of Joe Dorowski yeah. being basically like the Marlon Brando slash Lisa Simpson of his time, responding <laughs> with a filmic "What do you got?" when they ask what he's rebelling against. Yeah, he does. He because he's got that Zen thing going on, you know, right. which is kind of all about like. The answer isn't what's important here, you know? <laughs> exactly. It, it's The answer is not what's important. And also the way that he does navigate counterculture yeah, and drugs yeah. and stuff like that yeah. without necessarily embracing it. You know, there are moments where he's critical yeah. of o- overindulgence in those things, drugs, yeah. sex, alcohol, yeah. as much as he's critical of mainstream religion and greed. 
Yeah, yeah, which I think is a very important distinction from him and maybe some other hippie, you know, movie creators at the time, you know. Right, absolutely. Because there was a, you know, that's part of, you know, the, I think, tarnishment on the hippie movement is kind of, you know, LSD was great, but the obsession with drugs was not. (laughs) Right, you know. right. Yeah, yeah, and I think he was starting to see that. One pivotal part of his life and work was studying under Zen Buddhist master uh, Eho Takada, in the 60s, yeah. and in fact, one aspect of Buddhism and his experience is sort of crucial to letting us off the hook in terms of understanding the symbology of this movie. Because for some things, like the specific tarot cards or the soul of the stone, it's yeah. not really about understanding why they're happening, but more why we're seeing them. Yeah. And although the rituals in the movie are made up, yeah, they are, as the Clem dog would say... Chopping wood and carrying water. Mm. They're tasks whose importance lies in the doing of them yeah. to clear the mind. Yeah. These rituals that we don't understand are a, a basically a Buddhist mantra of meaningless sounds. And we understand the mystical gist of what's going on, yeah. if not the specifics. And so searching for the exact meaning is actually counterproductive to actually understanding the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I dig that because like that's because I mean, because especially with the Zen thing, you know, it is often just, yeah, about the journey, about the, you know, the the fruitlessness with which, you know, asking those kinds of questions gives you any sort of clarity on the world or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big part of the reason I also enjoy this movie is I'm a big fan as a pastor's kid. Uh, I am a big fan of just religions of all kinds. I, you know, studied a lot of, you know, Eastern and uh, Western religions in like college and stuff. And so, you know, you see like this, you know, movie's got the perfect fusion of all world religions, you know, whether it be, you know, Buddhism, Taoism, Hindu, you know, Christianity, of course, is everywhere. Like it's just the way that all of the religious iconography is intermingling in this movie is like, Everything that I love. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And so now Jodorowsky is all wrapped up in the death of the intellect, and he yeah. creates, in 1970, El Topo, yep. a movie that doesn't really get an official release, but picks up traction in the New York City Elgin Theater yeah. and becomes the very first midnight movie as we know it. Yeah, yeah. Often called an acid western, El Topo is a really interesting movie, I think, yeah. with links to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Roman Reformation, even the Tower of Babel in the way that El Topo's pursuit of ascension is what leads to self-destruction twice over. Oh, so there's there's also a kind of holy journey thing going. On. 1,000%. Okay, okay. 1,000%. Nice. So El Topo develops a cult following, including the one and only John Lennon. In fact, he loves it so much that he demands of his manager, Alan Klein, that ABCO fund Jodorowsky's next film, Carte Blanche. So Alan gives Alejandro a million dollars and basically says, go fucking nuts, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun. So now it's the early 70s. Things are tense for the peace movement with the Vietnam War military aid persisting despite the withdrawal of troops. It's also just a few years after the Tlatelolco massacre, Mm -hmm. a notable part of the Mexican theater of the Cold War where the U.S.-backed government was violently suppressing any political action, especially in the lead-up to the Mexico Olympics. Mm-hmm. The thumbprint of this is, of, of all of this, not just the the uh, Tlatelolco massacre, but yeah. the 
U.S. interventionism in general um, is very visible in this movie. It's very post-utopian, they call it, where the feeling of the dream of the 60s failing is palpable. Oh, shit. Yeah, post-utopian. I've never never heard that one. That's good. Yeah, it's it's grim. It's grim for sure. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, as you sort of alluded to, counterculture is becoming increasingly commoditized with the commercial mainstream in hot pursuit of successes like Easy Rider and Dark Side of the Moon. Mm -hmm. And so this is the environment that Joe Dorowski finds himself in as he begins to sort of cast around for his movie. And he's decided that he'll adapt the novel Mount Analog by René Dumas, a Frenchman who was into esoteric philosophies. Okay. The book and the movie are hardly the first to use a mountain as a symbol of knowledge. And in fact, they mention several in both Mount Meru, Mount Sinai, Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. But in the movie and in the book, it's a physical place. Yeah. And ascent can only come after fully comprehending the previous link in the chain of your path. The way it's described in the book is the last step depends on the first. This is also a very Buddhist theme that Mm -hmm. Jodorowsky did explore in El Topo as well. Again, things that persist in, in a lot of his movies that are explored again and again that help to really build an interesting message across his whole filmography. Yeah. Interestingly, the book is unfinished, which oh. left Alejandro to improvise his own ending here. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's coming together, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, that I don't, I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse, honestly, the ending. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I didn't notice until revisiting the Holy Mountain here is that the ending of the movie, Pink Lemonade, references that specifically as well, where they pull back and it's two girls listening to the CD. That's what I that's one of the things I really, really loved about that album. Wow. Uh, The the just continuously pulling out and then like it goes a further, you know, uh, wall break. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So Jodorowsky said, I searched all over New York, Mexico, and Los Angeles for actors to play the Nine Sages. For me, finding the right person for a part is like discovering treasure. But the actors I found were impossible. All they wanted was to make money, get famous, and take lots of drugs. Before we started filming, I kept them in a house for two months. I let them sleep only four hours a day, and we did mystical training, a mixture of Zen Sufi and yoga. I was crazy, but I was determined to make something sacred. Wow. That's that's some fucking dedication right there. That's right. Chief among these found actors is Horacio Salinas as the thief, although Jodorowsky dubbed the thief audio while also playing the magician himself, saying that the thief is ego while the magician is the essential being or basically the soul. Two parts of the same thing. Okay. That's right. That's right. Also want to shout out the uncredited limbless man who had a hell of a job. He's uncredited. (laughs) That's right. What the fuck? That's messed up, man. Yeah, he should, he should almost get second billing. Like, he should he should be first billing because he had to do a lot more work. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I do. That's okay. I mean, we could talk about it, but that's the one thing I wonder with this movie is like, how ethical was this casting? We'll never know. <sighs> it's hard to say, man. Different time. Different, different time, time. Different you know? time. <laughs> but so they got going without a script. Yeah. And Jodorowsky said, I made a plan of exactly where we would go each day, but not what we would do. Oh. We paid the keeper of the city zoo, and at night he'd lend us animals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's normal. 
Yeah, yeah. Zoos just lend out animals, like because they did have that tiger at the one point. It's like they got a real tiger up there. Sure. Yeah. Thanks to the Mexico City Zoo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, that's wild. Uh, and that yeah, actually confirms something that me and Mario, me and Mario watched this again uh, uh, Wednesday night. And uh, that kind of confirms one of our theories, which is like some of this, we're, we're wondering like how much of it is improvised. You know what I mean? Yeah. And significant and basically yeah. all of and, it. I mean, I mean, obviously the big set pieces, you know, are, you know, not necessarily improvised, but like the stuff on the streets and all those set things, I think are probably yeah. from what you said, improvised. It does seem that way to me as yeah, well. Yeah. And this was all part of taking advantage of the opportunity to make the movie he wanted. Uh, He continued on to say, with the Holy Mountain, I was trying to be totally honest. I had no dreams of making money or becoming famous. The film contains hardly any dialogue. I didn't set out to be entertaining or amusing. I was trying to broaden the mind. Films were like poetry to me. And I always used to say that I asked of movies what hippies asked of drugs. Mm, Yeah, that's a good line. And to that end, it is a bit overwhelming. It's easy to get sort of lost in the sauce of the assault on the senses, you know. But it is interesting, and it does, I think, tie into that psychomagic dream logic that he's talking about. That he wants to make the surreal real, and for people to forsake their possessions, including identity, and go on a spiritual quest following Jodorowsky as a guru. The medium is the message here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the way that his actors are treated on screen reflects that because Mm -hmm. they're doing some crazy stuff on screen sometimes that is, you know, perhaps deeply humiliating or just deeply in just out of character for them as a person. Sure. But they're all giving it their they're all in that sense, too, which is really interesting to see. Definitely, definitely. Now, the problem is that on top of all of these challenges the movie was facing in terms of its content, Alan himself hated both Alejandro and the movie. (laughs) So after a short theatrical run, it was almost completely buried with Klein revoking their circulation. There were a handful of screenings. Alan Klein didn't like it? it, Right. Wait, did... Did John Lennon see it then? Oh, this sounds... Uh, that's a great question. Sounds, I don't know if John sketchy. Lennon saw it. This sounds sketchy as hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this sounds like... Because, uh, I mean, what, what? I don't know much about the Alan Klein of, of the Beatles. Uh, I just know that they, they allude to him like uh, like he's freaking Thanos in that one Beatles documentary. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, hey, he does I seem... hung out with this guy and then all the music is, you know... <laughs> 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 yeah, he does seem pretty intense. Yeah. He he did a great job of burying it because it was really hard to get a hold of until a DVD set in 2007, 34 years after its release. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so that okay, that puts into context then why we were getting it at the film festival. Cuz like yeah. I always wondered like, oh, if it's been around all this time, why are we just now getting it to the film festival? Um There you that go. Makes sense. It's all clicking, it's baby. It's all clicking. And despite these challenges, The Holy Mountain did find a cult audience, which is a habit for Jodorowsky. It, as you said, influenced a ton of great art and artists. Yeah, the aforementioned yeah. Pink Lemonade. Alan Moore is all over his work. Yeah. Nicholas Winding Refn has been explicit about it to the point of even dedicating a movie to him. 
Unfortunately, it's Reffin's worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you try sometimes. But the the yeah, exactly the uh, the spirit of it is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a sweet thought. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the actual movie. We talked a lot about the lead up to it. Yeah, I have uh, I have three pages of notes. I don't know if any of them will make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> A Buddhist monk is going off in the score while Jodorowsky, as the magician, ceremoniously takes away anything that could provide vanity for a pair of women who are anointed with oils, then have their heads shaved, clothes torn asunder, fake nails ripped off. The score is wailing in the background. It's a very powerful opening. Yeah, it is. Like I, I thought that I had gotten the wrong movie at first because of, of how stark the opening is. Like You just see mm-hmm. the two ladies. The, that's the first thing you see. And then their yeah. heads are shaved off, no words, you know. And yeah, it, it really time, sets <laughs> up. It, I mean, it sets the film up like expectations really well because um, it's you know somewhat um, shocking, you know, the way that he's ripping off their clothes and they're they're being shaved. And then we get a man pissing his, another hard cut, a man <laughs> pissing him pissing himself in the mud with like just. It's just a hard cut, hard zoom on this guy pissing himself. Like you, so you can know, you know, he's pissing himself. Oh yeah, they really show you the, his face completely covered in flies. Yeah, had a hard night. Clearly, yeah, yeah. Great juxtaposition of scenes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, and and the fact that there's no opening credits either that it throws you into that first scene and then it hard cuts to this. You really are just getting whiplash over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. According to Jodorowsky in the commentary for this movie, the flies symbolize useless thoughts. So oh, there you go. Okay. Well, I mean, and he did. He does kind of confirm later that you as a person are just a piece of shit. Exactly. Needs to be so flies are attracted. Into something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all yeah. just pieces of shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things you could take from this film if you'd like. The aforementioned quadruple amputee and a group of young boys tie up the thief and hurl rocks at him. This guy ain't letting anything stop him. He's getting his lumps in despite not having hands. That's true. That's true. What was the name of the amputee? Did you cover that already? I forgot. He he doesn't doesn't have a name. name. He's completely uncredited. Yeah. This wakes the thief up and he chases the boys off. But he does become really good buddies with this amputee because the guy rolls him a fat joint for the pair of them. (laughs) And, dude, uh, I got to say, for a quadruple amputee, he made it look easy. He's killing it all over town in this I damn movie. I don't know how he, he, like, lights his match off of, like, like part of him, his skin or something. Like, he's just a fucking boss. Well, like Jodorowsky says, the only restrictions are the ones you place upon yourself. Mm. Okay. So there okay. you go. They head into town where you can find all seven deadly sins just littered about. <laughs> There's three pretty distinct acts of the movie, and this first act is basically just wallowing in human depravity. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like thinking about this movie, you know, as a whole, like there is some sort of I don't know if I'd say storyline, but I don't know. There 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 is a journey. There's a journey there that is, um, you know, maybe. Like a hero's journey type of thing, but instead of the actual story of a hero's journey, just like the outline with a bunch of pictures. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm making any sense. But um, I think the early part of the film 
is literally just kind of setting the stage of human suffering and what the stakes are um, as far as like humanity's soul is concerned. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think that that's something that happens more than once in in his work. You know, again, to reference El Topo, the first act of that movie is basically an entire Western. Like a whole Western fits into that where the guy rolls into town and he sees a bunch of fucked up shit happening and he aggressively destroys the people who were committing these acts of violence, saves the girl and rides off into the sunset. That's act one of El Topo. Oh, (laughs) I see. So they just just cover all all the Western tropes out the gate and then... Have a whole other movie after that. Exactly, okay. exactly. So so he does a lot to sort of leverage this three-act structure in a way that also is counter to a lot of your expectations. Yeah, yeah. Because now you're like, oh, well, what's next, right? I've seen this movie, so what's next? Have you ever read the Dark Tower series? No, my dad is a big fan, and I am tempted, yeah. but I just, those are a lot of long books. <laughs> yeah, I just realized though that it has some parallels uh, to Holy yeah. Mountain. I didn't, and I, I just thought of that. But that series also starts with like a pretty standard western that's really, really solid, and then in, it just goes off into complete insanity for a while. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah. yeah. So there's a giant wagon full of corpses and a grotesque military cult marching with crucified sheep corpses. <laughs> what a what a transition. <laughs> That's right. Alejandro said, I had to hire the lambs from a restaurant. When I finished the scene, I gave them the lambs back and they were eaten. Oh, well, that's that's good. I'm, yeah. You know, a lot of times you watch these movies, you don't know. You don't know what's been wasted you know, right. uh, 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 you don't know. You're like, oh, he fucking killed those sheep, and now they're on there. That's uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Yeah. They literally rented them from a restaurant and then gave them back, and that was tonight's dinner, baby. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Jordan Oski yeah. rocks, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually like, um, he actually like is who he kind of says he is, it seems. I think it's actually interesting because he is who he says he is, but you have to kind of like read through the lines of him being like that's that true. circus. Guy. That's true. That's true. Like where he's like, oh, I'm the greatest and and I am the father of the midnight movie and all. Like, oh, yeah. He's got the he, bravado of. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Circus performer. That's one of the things that yes. people said in interviews is like he could just convince anyone that the this was going to be the greatest, you know, piece of art <laughs> when it came to like the Dune movie, I think. That's yeah. right. That's right. It is interesting because, of course, Eraserhead yeah. is like the second Midnight movie, basically, which yeah. but it's seven years later, so nothing yeah. to sneeze yeah. at. But, yeah, they have a slightly then, different approach to their surrealism, but you know, both right. <laughs> two sides of the same coin, kind of. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There's that surrealist aspect, and then, of course, the fact that they are going up against Dune, and like, you know, no shade to Alejandro, no shade to David. I love them both. They're both fantastic, yeah. but... Both Dunes, I think, are like sound interesting. I like the David Lynch Dune. I think yeah. that it's visually incredible. Yeah, so, I, I don't get why it's it's got as much hate as it does. I think it's okay. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Nerds love to complain. That's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every now and again, <laughs> there's just one that they just refuse to accept anything. But this is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, just I just think it's interesting the way that they sort of entwine each other's yeah. lives in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also some tourism happening in this war-torn town. A bunch of oh, rich American right. assholes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there to see the savagery of war and all that entails, including 
gleefully recording students under a firing squad, and when one soldier goes to rape a tourist woman, she's actually stoked to be part of the scene, and the husband pays the thief to record him posing in front of them. Yeah, yeah, and and that, like, couple, like, the, the husband and wife of that couple keeps on following him around a little bit through the scene as he's going That's through right. the next scene, and it's just, I mean, talk about, like, stuff that's ahead of its time like they're using like just a you know a little crank camera as as a as a joke kind of thing and we live in a world where cameras are in everyone's pockets now and that is very much where we are you know yeah. uh, that's one thing i could not help but think like watching it like the other night like this is more relevant than i saw it the first time i saw it, <laughs> it yeah very prescient for sure yeah yeah our dynamic duo stumbles on the great toad and chameleon circus, <laughs> whose, <laughs> whose ringmaster communicates in gibberish while the thief squawks. It is strange, but does remind me of the Tower of Babel story again, uh, especially since we see it come back with the priest later. Yeah, yeah. And this circus reenacts the conquest of Mexico with the bearded dragons looking absolutely fly as hell as the Maya. That's true. That's true. Unfortunately, they are quickly and bloodily dispatched when the when the conquistador toads are introduced via ship. Yeah, uh, they have the one little cleric frog. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole scene is so so cute. Yeah, very I mean, absurd. Very absurd. I mean, even with the death at the end, it's pretty fucking cute. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and it just I think that's one of the more famous uh, scenes. You even see it on thumbnail for the uh, uh, trailer. I think. But yeah, that that bearded dragon with the the whole the Aztec dress was just beautiful. If I had a bearded dragon, I would try to get that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. For sure, for yeah. sure. I'd keep them away from all the toads. Um, <laughs> you got it. Yeah. You yeah, got it. Yeah, I want those conquistador toads, especially Spanish toads. My That's right. Dragon. <laughs> Chodorowsky said, "I didn't have permission to shoot in the streets of Mexico City. We filmed in the market, but we had to work as quickly as possible in case the police came along. <laughs> the scene with the toads in costume was very difficult." When we tried to dress them, they would swell up, so we had to squeeze them to get all the air out of them first. A lot of people think I killed the toads, but it's not true. <laughs> I, u- <laughs> I used to say I killed them because I wanted to shock people, uh... but it would have been far too expensive to use live toads, so I used rubber ones instead and made the blood with cream and vegetable coloring. Well, I was going to say, that's what it looks like. Like It doesn't look like... Yeah, uh, uh, a lot of the stuff that looks kind of violent, like if you look just a little bit closer, is like obviously just practical effect. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's that provocateur bravado coming yeah, in again. Yeah. Like he, when you see him in interviews, he's like, yes, I killed them. Of course, they gave their life for the cinema. <laughs> like, okay, okay, Alejandro. So, okay, I'm starting to understand why his, his uh, legacy is a little confusing because <laughs> right. he's telling people different stories, which can be right. fun. Also can be very confusing when the the record is actually kept. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. During this scene, they also play a German marching song, which to me is drawing a parallel between the two genocides of the Holocaust and the conquest of Mexico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, and then the, there's the Romans selling Jesus directly after this. That's right. Yeah. Christ figures to the tourists. Uh, they pose salaciously with a souvenir before bearing the cross, going, oh, hell no, and then giving the burden to the thief and recording him handling it instead. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the thief, you know, looks like he, he has, you know, imagery-wise, he looks like Jesus. And right. uh, so they keep on putting him in these weird Jesus iconographies. 
right? Yeah. The poor must bear the rich's burden. Yeah. That kind of yeah. stuff is all yeah. going on there. And they're just going to film it and, uh, right. you know. Um, right. It's content, baby. It's content. <laughs> I got to put this on my YouTube. <laughs> Wait till TikTok sees this guy. <laughs> yeah. When the thief returns to the Romans, they encourage him to chug a whole bottle of booze and they kick away the amputee who tries to join in. And when the thief passes out, they make a mold of him for life-sized crust. Yeah, it, a great new you know, product line. I gotta say, everyone fucking besides the thief is such a dick to this amputee, man. That's true. It's just, it's Very not true. okay how everyone treats him. And I don't know what he's supposed to exactly represent because doesn't... Uh, Never mind. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to to the later bit. You can't get caught up in yeah, it, man. Yeah. You can't get caught up in it. Yeah, that's true. I can't <laughs> think of it too hard like that. <laughs> I do respect that these Roman boys are pure entrepreneurs. They see a guy who looks like Jesus. They say, "We're gonna get this fucker drunk as hell. Make a mold out of him. He'll never even know." Yeah, yeah. It's such a it's a very strange thing to do to pick someone off the street <laughs> to do. You know, I, I'd be pretty upset like he was when he woke up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the process itself is nasty. And, of course, when he wakes up and sees himself surrounded by a thousand copies of himself, yeah. it's it's no surprise that he freaks out and starts smashing. Yeah. He, well, and like this is one of the like really, I don't know. I think this is one of the scenes in the movie where you start to think that there is maybe a point to the movie. So I think up to this point, it's been just a roller coaster of insanity. But at this point, you have a character that's been in like three scenes. And you're like, I think I'm supposed to connect to this guy. <laughs> so, like, right. uh, him, like, you know, having his, like, kind of breakdown and just he's screaming and the, the camera is just panning away from him. You see all more and more of the bodies or the molds of him, um, I think, was probably the beginning of me starting to try to put, the, put together some pieces or something. Also, let it be said genuinely fucking terrifying when it pulls yeah. out and reveals all those yeah. fucking copies yeah. of him. I think that, I, I mean, my friend Mario could probably attest, but this is probably where I was like, Mario, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, uh, is this guy Jesus? Is this, uh, are they uh, copies of Jesus? What do they, what, what, you know, why do they need him to make them? That's right. Uh, yeah. And and it is sort of the first of this ego burn. Yeah. That as he is sort of becoming assaulted upon. Yeah. It's terrifying, not just in a like, oh, it's kind of scary that they're all surrounding him, but obviously in a metaphorical, psychological way, it is terrifying to be yeah. like, oh, what it's trying to say is that he is not unique. Yeah. There are yeah. thousands yeah. of people going through the same issues everywhere around him in every way. Um, that's the kind of thing that'll send a man scurrying. Yeah, you know? he's like he's like a a YouTuber looking through the YouTubes and seeing oh, all God. of the all of the various channels that might cover the same things they cover. That's right. And they're like, oh yeah, oh God, how do I how do I make <laughs> content that hasn't been done? Sure, or even <laughs> to turn the mirror on ourselves. That's true, Brad. That's true. Podcast. I was about to say I, I didn't want to <laughs> to say podcasts. I wanted to draw attention away. But uh, you're correct. <laughs> yep. I, I'm not letting us get away with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, a group of women, a young girl and an ape, all finish praying at a church. Then they head outside. Uh, they're well, they seemingly are, wa they are, they're waiting for jobs. They are prostitutes, correct? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Uh, prostitutes coming out of a church. Right. And I have to ask, do you think that the monkey is a sex worker as well? So, uh, you know... <laughs> 
I got maybe he because he doesn't seem like he's in charge or anything. Um, he's Could just be a she. there. Could be a she. Could be a she. Could be a she. Could ape. be just a yeah a she ape. Um, did did Yoko wait? Didn't Yoko have a monkey? Did they? I don't fucking know. I think Yoko. I would believe it. Yoko they're weird. Monkey. I don't know. Her, her and John are both fucking weirdos. Yeah, yeah. They're the they're the the original weird couple. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. E girl, e girl, and podcast boyfriend, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the perfect, the perfect couple, match made in heaven. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I was noticing, like, I didn't realize the the other times I watched it that the monkey is like there a surprising amount of the film. <laughs> every time, every well, and here's the thing is because every time that the sort of main prostitute, yeah. is is there. The monkey is there. Yeah, yeah. And in the way that she sort of reflects the thief, and spoiler alert. Oh, wait, wait. They wind up. I have a note. I have a note. I think I did actually figure this one out. Because it starts off, the first time you see the monkey, it's on the prostitute's back. And, -hmm. you know, there's the old adage, like, you know, a monkey on your back is a uh, addiction, maybe? Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Wow. Um, that was the I only only that. thing I could f- think of, and that was just because it starts out on her back. Sure. Yeah. I um to me, I think that she reflects the thief. Okay. And so I think that the ape reflects the amputee. They oh. have the same sort of relationship. That's true. That, that's true. They they both um, have their little buddy. The two of them do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if I should be saying that. <laughs> but, I'll be honest. I don't. I think if if I'm interpreting this comparison correctly, not very flattering of Jodorowsky to make that comparison in the first place. No, no. But, uh, to um, the, the uncredited uh, uh, quadruple right. amputee in this film, right? We're not here to judge him as a human being, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. there's it's like uh, it's, that's that's the interpretation of the movie that I'm well, getting and, is that there's supposed to be a reflection of their relationship. Well, and to get to kind of what makes this like a, a, a horror movie, in my opinion, it's part a lot of it is the body horror along with the yeah. existential horror. You yeah. know, um, and I think sure. that, you know, at, at least are we not all just apes? Well, I was right? going to say, I Is feel that... like there was an era of filmmakers that would put in, you know, um, amputees or little people or people that are, you know, um, unconventional looking for very specific purposes and to make the shock value, yeah, shock value and to make the audience uncomfortable, which like, you know, right. I think in this day and age, we're trying to be a little more progressive on that front. Right, but we're um, trying to say you should not be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah you shouldn't have to be uncomfortable <laughs> and make everyone uncomfortable, and that's your thing. Um, right, <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, it, it definitely was a kind of tradition in the cinema for quite a while. You know, right? Um, yeah, especially this sort of off the wall Gonzo filmmaking. Yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. You know, it is what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely, yeah. And also, I think that it, it's especially exacerbated by Jodorowsky's history with the circus and everything. You know? Yeah, it's, it's so in... he probably, you know, he knew, I'm sure he knew these uh, various people from his actual right. personal life, too. Um, right. So he's got a and, different you know, relationship it, with it. Exactly. Like, in El Topo, there's a pair of people where one guy has no arms but legs and one guy has no legs but arms. And, like, they hang out together. That's their thing. That's nice. So, like. Right, so that, that's a nice he, visual pairing. <laughs> <laughs> so he he does he does sort of explore this in multiple movies. Um, Man, the thief and wild. his amputee friend. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just 
<laughs> I've never seen seen or heard of such a thing. Uh, anyway, what were you saying? The thief and his amputee friend walked down this same street. Yeah. He did salvage a single statue made from this mold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He can't bring because it represents him. That's he can't true. bring himself it does, to destroy it. Comes it, into right? play later. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The group laughs at him at first, except the woman who was with the ape. She's struck by this image, and so she cleans the plaster Jesus of some green goo. And the thief a bit as well before following him down the street, ape hand in hers with the rest of the Wait, group is following. There, is this where he's eating the, the face or is that back in the... Not, not just yet. Okay, not just okay. yet. That's coming up okay, shortly. Okay. There is also clearly a Jesus and the apostles thing going on, including the ape. There are 12 people following him. So oh. there you go. Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sort of an inversion. Yeah. You know, Jesus. instead of the apostles, yeah. it's 12 sex workers that are following him. And uh, well, I mean, you know, that's what they used to say about they say about Jesus he used to hang out with prostitutes. And, and, and there you go. And stuff. Exactly so right. This is a exactly this is a more right. accurate Jesus probably than we've seen in that's right. a lot of media. <laughs> <laughs> he is the true fisher of. Men. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he and he did. He doesn't have any sort of uh, idea. That he's he's above us at all. He's just right. one of the guys. There you He's go. Exactly. Kissing himself on the street, piece of shit, just like the <laughs> rest of us. Flies, yeah. <laughs> the thief attempts to put this Jesus statue on an altar, but when the priest inside is woken from his slumber with the actual crucifix, he freaks out and he casts out the thief with his Jesus. Is that the one? Is that the part where he's in bed with Jesus? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's another little fun, like jab at uh, very bizarre Catholicism. <laughs> this guy barking at him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And turns into the parents from yeah. Peanuts. Well, and this gets to I think part of uh, the commentary on um, at least the Christian faith um, and Catholicism, and that is the kind of worshiping of the idol of Jesus, like the worshiping right. the physical copy of jesus rather than and then yelling at what is the original version of that thing you know what i mean right absolutely good you know solid commentary for sure um outside the thief eats the jesus face oh yes years before the is it a cake show yeah yeah and yeah i'm assuming it is is a cake i was thinking maybe potato uh, mashed potato at first but i think it's got more of a cakey consistency yeah yeah yeah. i I think it's cake doesn't look tasty um No, 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 it doesn't. There is also, of course, a second ego burn aspect of this where he's now consuming himself. Yeah. uh, Yeah. In this moment. He does versions of that a lot throughout this story. He rejects the ego. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has to lose because, like I said, Jodorowsky says that the thief does represent it. And so as he is sort of shedding himself of it through these various methods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting stuff. And they freed the now faceless Jesus by attaching him to a bunch of balloons. Goodbye, Jesus. Ascend to heaven as a balloon boy. Yeah, yeah. Pixar saw this uh, and uh, decided to make up a uh, little, That's little right. fact. Direct inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Check the IMDb. <laughs> so now free of this and wandering the market, a hook descends from the obelisk with gold in a bag. And the people below fill it with produce. And the, the thief knocks it to the side. He grabs a dagger and he rides that puppy to the top, yeah. straddling it in a way that is not doing him any coolness favors, unfortunately. No, he rarely looks cool <laughs> in this entire film. He's got, I don't know if you mentioned this, but he's got a very, very small loincloth. And yeah. uh, you see his ass. He's rocking it. Probably <laughs> 99% of the time you see his ass, the bony ass sticking out. Yeah, for sure. At the top, though, 
he finds a tunnel that leads to a sort of blank blockade. It's like Space Jam. Yeah. When the Nerd Luck ship hits the Warner Brothers logo. And oh, just shit. like Space Jam, he pushes on through. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Spa- Again, Space direct, Jam. Direct inspiration. Yeah, yeah, directly inspired by the Holy Mountain, man. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? Um, the- This is where it gets like, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many points of this movie where it gets like fucking weird. And you think that it's <laughs> yeah, not going to get any weirder. 50 times, 50 times in the movie. You're like, here we okay, go. Okay, Here and we go. This has got to be yeah. the peak of how strange this can get. Uh, right. Right. Uh, not the no, case. Not no, the it's case. Never the case. It is shocking, though, because this leads to an awesome room painted as sort of this prismatic rainbow. Yeah. And yeah. compared to the washed out beige of the world that we had seen previously yeah. with just small moments of like the red splash of blood of the lizards yeah. like that shines out. But compared to this room yeah. is incredible. And, and it's probably one of the more famous images from this movie. Oh, yeah. As absolutely. he uh, approaches yeah. the magician slowly with his dagger at the ready. Yeah, because I mean, this is also when the, you know, our main character is finally coming into contact with who we saw at the beginning of the movie because they were at the beginning of the movie, and then um, <laughs> and then they you know they they meet each other and like I don't know it, it it goes to show that it isn't it like you know I think the first time me and my friends watched this we were like I don't see any threads whatsoever <laughs> uh, but there are some threads there are some threads um, you know I think uh, so in, the, in the story just not like in uh, uh, actual dialogue you know it's visual right you have to follow the visual threads um that's exactly right yeah yeah and um but the two the two bald uh, ladies aren't there instead there's this um the written woman she's named the britain woman oh yeah because she's got all the tattoos the written the written the written woman, written yeah. woman. yeah yes it was his uh right hand at his right hand that's right also a camel is there oh and there's a camel yeah that's right camel on the left <laughs> camel on the left um, Famously easier to ride one of those through the eye of a needle. Ah, okay. Than to ascend to heaven as a rich man. Ah, uh, yes. Right? That's how I have goes. heard that. I have heard that yeah. Uh, before. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really hard I, for a rich man. You've heard that before. I actually just came up with that. Oh wow! You should you should like write a book. It's <laughs> sell millions of copies. I've got I've got all kinds of great ideas yeah, similar yeah. to that. Yeah, maybe have some <laughs> your friends write some chapters. Yeah, they could just kind of tell the story of my life around it. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, you can just ghostwrite it. You have them write everything. Yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. Nice. I just tell them what's up. Yeah. It kind of comes a little bit like telephone. But... Jesus is kind of a ghostwriter, <laughs> isn't he? The holy ghostwriter, <laughs> am I right? Hey, oh. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Folks. Joke, this joke took 2,000 years to write. <laughs> All right, where were we? <laughs> There's also. <laughs> There's also a very cool goat throne there, yeah. which I am not really a fan of goats, yeah. but that thing is pretty sick. I was going to say, if you're a metal and fan, though, you, this yeah. movie is all everything you want, man. I mean, for sure. I guess, you know, maybe except the end, but the, the whole ride, <laughs> the whole ride, man, like it's, right. there's goats everywhere. If you're into pagan shit, fucking it's everywhere. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And the magician and the thief fight with the magician easily stopping yep. the attacks of the thief, yep. then freezing him with a chakra touch. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. He does like a Spock, like. Yeah. Bong, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, bong, yeah. Bong. yeah he like right. taps him a few times. Yeah, he yeah. just taps him. That's right. He just fucking. Yeah. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> He's the magician, baby. 
I guess. They, <laughs> <laughs> he did the, like the the they, uh, Kill Bill uh, what oh, five yes, finger exactly. death punch, but he he, he held mm-hmm. off on the last hit. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. They reveal in Excise a tumor on his back, which has some weird blue cephalopod in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, some squid thing. Just just pull yeah. it out and yeah, heals up nicely though. Can't even tell. And when they release the thief, he is grateful. Yeah, he's like, oh wow, that was. I didn't can't believe I had that fucking shit. Didn't in there. realize that was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the whole time. I wonder what that's supposed to represent. Is that like uh, just his his uh, rage? What is that? What do you think the squid is? I think it's just like his sort of like internal distraction, okay. his internal baggage uh, okay. kind of thing. Okay, okay. I, can, I can I can see that. The magician asks him, "Do you want gold?" Which is our first real line, but beyond the grunted drinkets of the Romans. Oh yeah, that's true. Wow, pretty far into the movie. That is very far. Having our first real dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the thief says yes, and so he's washed by the pair in a beautiful fountain with a vocal baby hippo. Oh yeah, that zoo coming in handy again. Yeah, the they have a lot of animals in this movie, and that now we know why. Now we know. (laughs) They also make sure to wash his butthole, and I was going <laughs> to joke about it, but really, it's just good hygiene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, they they stay on that shot for a few <laughs> seconds longer than you'd want, but hey, this is yeah. this is a, a shock movie, so there you go. There's, there's nothing that people want to see less than a man's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> not, to, not, not kink shaming out there, but... Well, <laughs> it actually does come into play because they're about to make him shit in a glass container. You so. know, you know. OK, so this was what was surprising to me. After seeing his butthole like that, I was just surprised we didn't also see him shit. There you go. Be glad. You know what I mean? Right? Like, Especially with the glass container. Just like I, when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, and this is when he shits into the glass container. I've seen him shit. And then it's like it, it goes to the next part. I'm like, oh, wow. Only the imagination, baby. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's powerful. And then, uh, Um, then there's also a pelican there at the Mm -hmm. time. They put the thief in a glass case himself, and they cook the poop. Yes, so that the fumes fill the thief's containers. This is the kind of thing where you're like, I get that he's in the area, but it might be time for a new doctor, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, this is what's referred to as a Jankum chamber. Are you are you familiar with this term? Put that on Arrowhead. Yeah, I uh, I remember it being a big thing for South Park. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it was like an old kind of uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, a myth that was passed around kids that were trying drugs for the first time, and the myth was that uh, probably started if I were to guess started from this film. The myth was that if you were to ferment feces, that you could mm. inhale the like. Whatever, whatever would it be fumes. methane or fumes that come off of it yeah. for like a week Ugh. and then yeah uh, uh i don't know anyone that actually tried it and i'm glad uh but yeah. um yeah he is this character is inside of a giant jacob chamber yeah. so he's like he's just getting the fumes having a bad time of it <laughs> Yeah, because they keep burning the shit uh, more He's and more. sweating and vomiting yeah. and laughing maniacally in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does. And uh, then it, it, this is definitely one of the scenes that's the most, one of the grossest. Disgusting. It's really gross. And then they collect the fluids, pour that on the poop, and reduce it down again. Yes. And they, yes. Twice cooked yeah, poop. Yeah. And all, all I, I got to mention, there's something I noticed in the background that was very strange. 
uh, the woman with all the the writing is playing like a cello, wow. but she's just jerking off the cello. Wow. She's not playing the cello. She is like literally just. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. W- w- watch for that next time. Wow. Um, I'll have to check it yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Um, the poop though. Yeah. Turns to glass. Yep. And then eventually, to gold. So it goes from glass to gold. Right. Once yeah, you can okay. see through it. Once you can see. Yeah. It becomes gold, yes. and the magician yeah. hands it over. He says, "The gold was in you all along." Yeah, your excrement, yeah. but you can become gold. Yes, this is that. This is one of the core concepts of the movie. I enjoy uh, your shit, but you could be gold. You don't have to. You don't be, have though. to be shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something we can all, you know, get behind. Great. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. They show the thief a mirror, yeah. and his ego burns down even further. He throws the gold through the image of his face and becomes the magician's acolyte. Yeah, yeah. This is like when they become buddies. Yeah, right. Yeah. They do a variety of exercises and rituals. Yeah, this is a this is like a, a, a montage scene yeah. for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of them that I really like is uh, in a room with tons of art on the walls, and it kind of reminds me of the Haunted Mansion when the room stretches. And it's like, <laughs> oh, in this one, the lady is puking off a bed while being birthed by a man. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was the picture in particular that drew my attention. This watch through, I was like, "That yeah, is it's powerful. That it's is very powerful intriguing, stuff. and <laughs> it looks like it wasn't done by someone that was that great at drawing. You know, it looks mm. a little amateurish. Sure, um, in a way that's adding to it. I think. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely a style. Like, yeah. um, you can see their character in the in the drawing, but it's very. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The Brad, there's like, I'm getting the sense you don't like this picture, I but say, I actually have it up behind me right here. You don't see Oh my god. <laughs> if you had like a giant one of that in your house, I would be uh, uh I, I would I would respect you, you know? <laughs> you can it's literally right there, Brad. Oh man. I, I can't I can't see it. Oh wow. Well, you'll just have to take my word for oh, it. Oh man, okay. <laughs> um but I, I just it just I guess this is like kind of the part of the movie where like I don't know. The first couple times I watched it, you, I started to think like, "Is this just hippy dippy bullshit that doesn't have any <laughs> any sort of meaning?" Because <laughs> mm. this is when I started to think like maybe I was being fucked with, right? You know, like maybe. Well, he he seems like he's being fucked with too. I mean, yeah. they they move to this rotating room with an eye on the floor, and there's just like facsimiles oh, yeah, of people to, just t posing. He on has the walls. to keep on walking with the the camera yeah. angle, and then at one point he stops yeah. and like just. It's very interesting yeah. to watch. The magician was probably so stoked when the thief arrived, and he was like, finally, I can show yes. up all my crazy-ass rooms. <laughs> Those two bald ladies left a while ago to hang out with Mars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One line from here that I find pretty intriguing is, the fish thinks about his hunger, not about the fisherman. Mm. Basically, when you're worm check to worm check, the cost <laughs> of our actions fades into the background in favor of alleviate, excuse me, immediate alleviation of discomfort. Those are problems for future George and future fish. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's some st- deep stuff. 
(laughs) The magician basically says, okay, these guys on the wall are going to help you on your spiritual journey. They're thieves like you, but on another level, industrialists and politicians. Oh, yeah. Got their asses. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. He fucking got them. (laughs) (laughs) And here's where we move into our second act. These are the uh, characters that would maybe take a sub to the bottom of the ocean, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. exactly. Not to be too crass. Right. I know there's some people well, that have been a little sensitive about that. <laughs> if you are one of the family members of the sub, I apologize. Um, uh, more money than sense is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not more dollars, more dollars than, than sense. Than yeah, yeah, that's good. But the movie sort of transitions to a Canterbury Tales vignette slice of life thing for each of these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting uh, little little section. Right. For each of them, the power slash wealth accumulation is tied to the planet that they're from and their yeah. association with Roman myth. Yeah. Yeah. Further of note is that this section uh, also has a heavy emphasis on satire, which is honestly not typical for Jodorowsky's more sort of direct commentary. You know, even okay. if it's symbolic subtext, it might be hard to parse. Yeah. But it's not usually like tongue in cheek. He's usually like saying what he thinks about stuff. Yeah. This feels very this. A lot of this feels very tongue in cheek now that I'm watching yeah. it um, with more context. First off is Fond from Venus. His business is devoted to the comfort and beauty of the human body. And folks, my man here has got a harem of women all carrying his babies, both in their hands and in their wombs. Uh, meanwhile, his dad is all fucked up, deaf, dumb, and blind. And oh, yeah. The full Tommy. He's got the full Tommy going on over oh, there. Oh, yeah. And he, oh, there was that, there's that gross part where he, like, he touches that he woman. He makes decisions. He makes decisions by getting to third base with his already dead and preserved corpse of a wife. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's no easy way to say that. Audience. No, no. Um, you know, it's it's sort of a fairly standard critique, though it's done interestingly and well of fashion's sort of focus on vain superficiality, yeah. despite being run by a man who's completely out of touch with the world, thanks to being literally unable to see, hear it, or still yeah. touch it. We see the seduction of Fawn's wife, number eighteen. The rest attack her in a jealous rage, but she fends them off and gets pregnant as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some products are demonstrated here, too, including butt, breasts, and penis enhancers, plus the reveal of their newest product, a hyper-realistic mask that's you look any way you like. People want to be loved, not for who they are, but for who they appear to be, Fonz says. Yeah, yeah. Mm, got him yeah i mean uh you know especially these days with all these ai filters and shit wow wow that's right uh, to today guys it's happening so true so true their vanity also brings a fear of death so electronic devices allow the corpses to do a variety of things like participate in their own funeral (laughs) or very strange become a sex bot essentially Right, that's right. Put on a show, I believe, is yeah, I think the way they describe it. That was one of the like more obvious jokes in the film. I think yeah. the the sex spot thing, because yeah, that was just that was just hilarious. Just yep. just a joke. <laughs> Next up is Isla from Mars. She awakens in a pod with two other women who all sleepily greet each other and the end the day. Yeah, and they get dressed, and they're frankly fashion icons. They are looking sick as hell. Hell yes, they are. And I will point out, those are the two women from the beginning of the film. Hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's at some point, uh, you know, Jordowski is like, hey, they, you, they you flew to Mars. Hang out at, at Mars, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they also head out, there's a pit of nude male secretaries they're referred to that are oh, all yeah, riding yeah. around. This is like the planet where all of the kind of uh, 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 sexual objectification tropes have been flipped. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's fun. 
Their company produces weapons of all kinds, and they're moving into biochemistry. Yeah. Plus, young people need arms for their protests and sit-ins, so they have psychedelic shotguns, grenade necklaces, even mystical weapons for Buddhists, Jews, and Christians alike. Yeah, the guns. Got them. The, the cross gun, the, the yeah. uh, menorah, menorah, the gun, menorah is gun is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I would have loved to go home with that prep. <laughs> <laughs> On to Clen from Jupiter, who does some kind of like ear drugs. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's these these ear drugs that him and uh, him and Janis Joplin from Jupiter uh, take together. Right. <laughs> yeah, he has sex in a limo with his mistress after leaving his cold house yeah. and his cold wife. Yeah, uh, they're on the way to his art factory where people basically shit out art by having their ass painted and sitting on a canvas moving down an assembly track. And they launch a new line every season. He says, <laughs> "Got him, got those yeah. art assholes, got him." <laughs> Literally, <laughs> they've also developed a love machine like at a bar, but instead of testing the moisture on your hands. It tests your ability to give a giant metal vagina an orgasm with a big metal rod. And this is when my friends made me turn off the movie. <laughs> just so just so the listener can follow along. The rest of this, they didn't see. <laughs> wow. Well, spoiler alert, your friend is the chauffeur who was upset that it calls him a bad lover. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she was just uncomfortable, I think, and wondering why we were watching this. <laughs> Well, the woman who accompanied Clen is able to do it no problem. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 And uh, they don't name the robot in the movie. Yeah. But the section of the soundtrack gives its name as the Fuckbox. <laughs> Fuckbox. Fuckbox. Yes. I want this spinoff and movie about Fuckbox. It does give birth to yeah. a funny little crying yeah. robot, yeah, yeah. which is delightful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just a, that's a fun that's a fun scene for me. I think that one's a good one, and especially yeah, the like yeah. chauffeur getting all pissed that he sucks at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's classic. Uh, I, and I love yeah. how how on the nose the it, all of the imagery is for that whole section. You know, right. it's like you you yeah. can't you can't misinterpret that scene. You know, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems like this guy can't fuck. This girl could fuck. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cell from Saturn is the next one up. She's yep. a clown and a fancy lady alike. Yeah. Whose customers are children, but whose client is the government. Oh, because yeah. her business is war toys. Yeah. Right. This is where you get to your real politician-y like, mm. uh, uh, commentary, I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. She uses the, the toys to condition the children from birth. Their propaganda is done through a variety of methods like comics and shows and those toys mm -hmm. 15 years in advance based on predictions of a robot programmed with the politics of the government, which surely will never happen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an insane thing to uh, <laughs> uh, assume would happen. Um, right. I, I got to say, I love when they're talking about uh, war profiteering and creating, you know, a, a conflict out of nothing. They call the uh, opponents hypersexed brown native vampires. Wow. <laughs> like, because they're trying to, every time they do one of these scenes, they're just like, um, oh, yeah, the, the, we'll get to it, but there's the, the gas chamber speech where he's like, oh, we need all right. these different gas chambers. And he goes to like, he has like a George Carlin bit about gas chambers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. He really does. But they're like, yes, um, this is about colonialism and about, you know, <laughs> how right preparing them to stimulate the economy through war uh -huh. 
And um, I found it extremely interesting that the employees and guards of the factory, who you might say are complicit, yeah. uh, are extremely aged. Perhaps older generations teaching bad habits yeah. is kind of what he's going yeah, for there. Yeah, because the old people only respect them if they if they're in their suit and you know looking right. normal, and then the young people only respect them if they're a clown. So it's almost a commentary right. on both the old and the young, you know, that we right. n- neither of us see through the ruse. You know, wow. Yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially, um, I guess I'm thinking about it from today's perspective and learning about people my age that have shitty worldviews. Right. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, goddamn it. <laughs> right. Next up is Berg from Uranus. The yep. guy was actually the costume designer as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. He's sleeping in a bed of leaves with a pillow that's a whole ass leopard, which is wild. Yeah. Pretty he cool. also gets woken up by his fiance slapping his butt back and balls with a skeleton hand before doing a strip tease for him and then leaping on him for sex. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember this now. <laughs> this scene is so fucking funny. <laughs> this lady is having so much fun. Long time. She's having yes. so much fun uh, just being sexually lewd with her her husband. And, uh, that's right. And she sits on a giant t- tall toilet and just pisses the for like toilet. a minute and a half. Just How'd she straight get up piss. There? How did she do that? <laughs> I don't know. There's no, they don't show her getting up there. <laughs> I think this is a commentary on like, I don't know, impotence or, uh, 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 I don't know, not having a power in a relationship or something. Because, you know, mm. the guy is the imp- you know, quote unquote, important character in this scene, but she's clearly the one with all the power, mm. you know, and he's always just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Right. And she's just kind of like really sure. And, uh, and at the end, yeah. spoiler alert, he's like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I, wanna, I don't like this cake. <laughs> <laughs> they bottle feed a snake, though, which Berg's fiance is knitting a great sweater for. That's true. That's true. That, yeah. that was pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is when it's revealed that Berg is the financial advisor and the president of Uranus wants his report now. Yeah. And uh, I believe this is uh, where we get into the gas chambers. uh, That's right. The report says to save the economy, they need to eliminate four million citizens in the next five years. Um, This was very grim. And it did remind me a lot of early COVID when there were people like, well, if people die, that's the cost of keeping our great nation running, baby. Blood to grease the wheels. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Christ. Damn, stone cold. <laughs> yeah, and and with no hesitation, the president picks up the phones, begin the operations of the gas chambers, gas schools, gas university, gas libraries, gas museums, and gas warehouses, yes. etc. And this is where it, 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 that this time I watched it, I was all automatically went back to a Hollywood Handbook episode where they're listening to George Carlin. <laughs> he's a modern man <laughs> yeah the modern man stuff exactly like yeah. he's just yeah. oh, it's, it's a gas this gas that gas blah 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 yeah <laughs> i did have to rewind because i thought he said gas ghouls at first and i was like that would be scary gas farting ghouls. ghosts there we go yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah gas schools like yeah it's almost it almost doesn't help to go back and find out because it doesn't make much <laughs> more sense Axon is the next one. He's the chief of police on Neptune. A boy is spread eagle oh. on a platform, nude and facing the sky. A man approaches, holding truly comically large gun and some scissors before castrating the boy. Yeah. This is the 1,000th preserved testicles in his sanctuary of 1,000 testicles, which is exciting for him. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. this guy 
playing Axon was high on LSD and accidentally almost cut the nuts for real. Oh, my God. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I think this was the first scene that I might have saw of, of the movie. Um, I think that wow. this one was on on YouTube or some website, um, and it was like the first that I, my, in my introduction, I believe. And uh, yeah, what an introduction. <laughs> yeah. Because he walks sure. into this room, and then he puts this these balls onto a wall of other balls. And you're like, right. oh, those all look like balls. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, for sure. and just, it turns out they are. And they just act like everything's normal, you know, everything's cool. Oh, and I will mention, yeah. they communicate psychically, these guys. Mm, yeah, that's... Uh, that's right. He and his warriors who train yeah. to fight the people. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, the next scene, of course, uh, we have them actually fighting, you know, a group of, you know, clearly, you know, uh, uh, what's supposed to be like hippie uh, uh, protesters, like Vietnam protesters right. types. Here's my question for you. Yeah. Do you think... It's actually 1,000 testicles, or he's counting the sets, and it's 2,000. Because I feel like if someone asked, and he's like, oh, it's only 500 jars, that's embarrassing for him, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that is. Do you expect 1,000 jars full of testicles in the sanctuary of 1,000 testicles? I think it should be 1,000, yeah. But if I'm looking at the group, it looks more like 500 or less. Wow, great point. Great point. So, I, think I think he should have something. to rename it. Yeah, yeah. The 500 <laughs> testicles hut. Right. The the sanctuary of 1,000 individual testicles yeah. in 500 <laughs> jars. <laughs> Hell yeah. Be honest with yourself, Axon. And uh, I, I got I to gotta draw attention to one other aspect of that scene. I love the comedy of having the male symbol, but it's got three arrowheads instead of one. Um, oh, yeah, I, think I noticed. Yeah, that's that. their symb- symbolism. Uh, that's the symbol they have on everything. Is is so it would be like the male symbol, but with three dicks. It's like we're wow. we're extra masculine, you know. <laughs> like it's it's so it's such a like if you if you notice it, it's such a kind of it's a little joke, really kind of Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, but yeah, then they go all uh, you know all all policing on those uh, yeah. protesters. He is the police chief yeah, after yeah, all. ACAB. That's right. And. Uh, uh, yeah, but he, d- he doesn't seem well, happy. Next... He doesn't seem happy, though, we no. find out by the end of the scene. Yeah, he's definitely not happy. Yeah, yeah. Next up is Loot from Pluto, yeah. who's an architect. Uh, a bunch of children are dressed as mice and run through the halls of his house chasing him. Oh, yeah. It's a very avant-garde place, yeah. all the more contrasted by the multifamily property that he walks past next, yeah. which he says he's pissed about because they lush money on it, making it slightly habitable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the land developer guy. Right. He says, we got to sell people on the idea of just having a shelter, not a home. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then, you know, you, you the homes, if you look closely at them, they look like coffins on just a... I don't think you have to look that close. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty straightforward. And all the... Yeah, he's showing it to all the, the rich people, and they're just gobbling down like... They're gorging on, themselves uh, and applauding. And just not really paying yeah. attention and just kind of being like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. Let's do it. You know, yeah, these community coffins don't have electricity or a place to cook communal latrines because who needs privacy? The works. Yeah. yeah. And being in these coffins is advertised as true freedom. And the camera pans over to a field of hundreds of them in the miniature after a model climbs into the display one to much acclaim. Yep. And so obviously it's, you know, saying that they will literally milk you for everything you've got before 
sending you off to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything that they can exploit out of yeah. you. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty grim, pretty cynical. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. Back at the obelisk, though, these people arrive for real for Act 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the story, like, starts again. Right. <laughs> the magician says, you're all here to obtain immortality, and here's a slideshow on how. It feels like a time jump. That's true, yeah. He, he gives his <laughs> TED Talk to uh, the the billionaires that have paid to, right. to come to this island. <laughs> He tells them about the various holy mountains across ancient traditions, but the legend is the same. Nine holy men at the top direct our world and have conquered death, so let's go get their asses. Of course, of note, they are nine, including the magician. Not a god infinity. Whoa. Oh, shit. Whoa. Uh, Gizverse confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. The holy mountain is on Lotus Island. They need to pool their resources to assault it and steal the secret. But first... They have to become wise men as well. And more than that, a collective being rather than individuals. Ah, yes. They have to become a team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the, the team up montage. Yeah. That's right. The expendables yeah. have arrived. Although you don't really get their, like, their, uh, uh, what's the word? What's the term? Um, long night of the will? What's the, what, what am I thinking of? Oh, there's a, yeah, there's a term. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. The Joseph Campbell yeah, shit. You're supposed I never. to go through a, a, a night of suffering and, and you're supposed to find out something yeah. deep about him. And that happens a little later. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, for now, they're kind of just kind of getting ready for the Holy Mountain. They're just That's right. back at the compound. They start the process. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> they go into a new eyeball room. This guy's got two he's eyeball got, yeah, rooms. Yeah, that's true. He's he's got multiple eyeball rooms. Actually, who knows how many he's got hidden in the that's back? That's true. That's only that's only two we've seen on. We screen. only see yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. The iris is a table which rules, and they all burn their money in the pupil fire pit. Which that is part sick is pretty also. sick. Yeah, and uh, the 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 the, um, the thief he actually steals one uh, for a second, and then Jordan she's like, yeah, uh, uh, uh. hey. Put, put, it, put it back in the fire. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. And it's funny because like. Kill your money. Jesus, the, the, the fool guy, you know, didn't have any wealth to begin with. You know what I mean? So for mm, him, he's still kind of that. going through, you know, his last. Well, this is the fisherman or excuse me, the fish thinking about the worm and not the fisherman. You uh, know, yes. he's saying, let me grab that money. Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying, no, no, no. Think about the fisherman out yeah. there, which is the world. The world. yeah but that's that is a pretty sick scene though everyone just burning money hell yeah yep next they destroy their self-image by way of the statues that we saw in the room before full of desires and distracted the self is metaphorically cast into the flames another ego burn Yep. yep yep ego burn after ego burn with this stuff that's right oh yeah it says grave is the door to rebirth i think they say well wow So true. So true. They pass through a beautiful verdant landscape as they leave for the mountain. Although the main follower of the thief is still behind them, chilling with the ape and observing, even repeating some of their actions as they go. That's right. Yeah. She just keeps showing up. (laughs) That's right. She's just chilling, saying, I'll be I'll be ready. And um, they each rub a flower into a wound that was ritually inflicted. And we see a bunch of scenes of various bugs as they trip. This is another one where you're like, I got to read about this damn flower on Arrowhead. See people being oh, like, right. tried this flower and dog took away my senses before I became a sacred flower. Not really a fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the you're talking about the scene where everyone sees kind of their worst 
kind of fear. No, that's that's still oh, okay, a little okay, further okay. down. They just like see a bunch of bugs, right? It like there's they like drink this this liquid. That's right. Yeah, then, yeah, she pours out all the yeah. ayahuasca or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. That yeah, I think it probably is ayahuasca. To be honest. Yeah, I've already. I think you're actually spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's ayahuasca. Um, and so yeah. they start tripping balls and crying together. That's right. Oh, they're trying so they're, hard. They're, they're surrendering their yeah, emotions. Like, oh, we want to experience nothingness. Yeah. The grave is your mother. <laughs> you are everyone. Everyone is you. And then they possession is the ultimate pain. They, now you're an empty heart, ready to receive the universe. <laughs> and then there's yeah, they're pouring ashes on each other, and that's right. Oh, oh the that's ashes right. of their and former they selves. All hug. And they all yeah, they all hug, right. and it's it's like you know. It's 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 every hippie it. you know retreat you've ever heard of <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's right, and they uh, ascend a ziggurat to meditate before heading to a small boat on the dock. Uh, a group of children see them off, and the thief tries to perform a miracle for them, but uh, he can't. And the magician laughs and shows him a vision, saying, "If he multiplied their bread, gathering it would turn it to violence." Now here is where I <laughs> here is where I just completely just disagreed with the magician. <laughs> I was like, that's that's not that uh, that's like a not a bad thing to do, and like mm. the the idea of them, the magicians like, no, 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 they'll just immediately turn <laughs> to violence. You can't give that's you right. can't give these people. It seems like almost it almost seems out of character for the magician. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I do. I I see what you're yeah. saying. I also think that it does sort of play into the sort of like idea of. The po- having possessions is worse is more painful yeah. than hunger. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if I agree, but I yeah. think that that's at least what the magician is going yeah, I for. I think that's what he's going for. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think visually that's maybe one of the few visual elements that I think could have been done in a different way to ex- explain that better. But a very mm. few. I mean, most of these are like you know he's hitting it out of the park. <laughs> right, and and well. Clearly, you, much like the thief, still need help coming around to that's the magician's true, that's way That's true. That's true. I still think that I should give uh, food to uh, homeless folks. <laughs> the magician's oh, like... That's right. Crazy. The magician's God. like, uh, no. I don't know. He'll just spend it. He'll spend He's that gonna spread bread it on, on booze. On He's going to turn that bread into booze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> it was water to wine, magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I think that, like, you um, know, they could have shown it, you know, done the, uh, uh, gone the path of, like, Oh, uh, you wanting to do a miracle is self-aggrandizing, and show that in true, some way. Very true. Very you know, true. Mm, that would be my great point. My great headcanon for it. You know. Sure. Um, the group piles on the thief though to provide this help that the magician needs. He feels he needs when suddenly the amputee emerges once again. <sighs> yeah. And they're on a yeah. boat, so he had to have come from somewhere. And the thief is fucking stoked. Yeah. But then the magician says he's not real. It's just an attachment. Throw that monster into the water and free yourself from the past. I don't think that he's referring specifically to the amputee as a monster, but rather the attachment to the past <laughs> as a monster. But it is a harsh thing to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we joke about this, but um, it's definitely something that has been a problem throughout the years uh, on screen. Like, um, if you want to you know, have a character that you want to visually storytellingly tell that is a bad guy or is a villain or is not to be trusted. An easy way to do that in film is to show that they have a disfigurement, 
right a, a huge scar yeah or yeah right? so unfortunately or, or a missing limb it you know it's kind of par for the course with some of these films to mm-hmm. like use someone for like specifically for that purpose um right. which you know again we're not i don't know if he's specifically making that you know uh, uh, argument but it could be <laughs> sure yeah, sure yeah. and the th- the thief reluctantly mimes throwing somebody in yeah. but there's a real splash which i loved i thought that was so great oh yeah that you hear a splash when he so, fakes throwing something into so the did water he murder that guy <laughs> i i think that it, this is what he's saying is that the surreal is real oh, and that they need okay, to yeah okay. you know do these put it in motion yeah yeah so that it becomes real. Yeah, yeah. So he can he can literally experience the loss of his friend. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There you yeah. Go. They land and everybody cuts their hair, and then this guy excitedly greets them, which is really funny and like a again a total like whiplash moment where it's been this very mystical, very heady stuff, and then suddenly this guy's like, "Hey, come to the bar. It's amazing. Yeah. The Pantheon Bar is so great." Yeah, yeah. It's like the last temptation before the Holy Mountain. It's a weird, right. weird montage of like hedonists of various sorts. Uh, he's so pissed that he's like everybody who comes here is an abstainer it sucks yeah yeah it's like eh, i don't know people just hang out here for a while and never quite get up there right uh and there's different dudes right. people that like show you know why they haven't climbed the holy mountain because of you know either there's the lsd guy that's like oh right. in these flasks are the holy mountain yeah yeah uh, i can i can teleport i have conquered it asterisk horizontally yeah, yeah. it's weird how they got joe rogan <laughs> in to uh, uh you know <laughs> guest appear in this film he must have been a child i don't believe that joe rogan has any hair on him at all i think that he's hairless like a porpoise <laughs> and this guy has crazy chest hair that's true that's true <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, maybe it's good, good makeup, um, but uh, I swear I, I swear true, I, I saw that guy in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I do also think that you mentioned this sort of pushing back on the LSD users yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It is interesting for him to push back on the counterculture that made El Topo have its cult status. Yeah, yeah. A smart thing to do, I think, too, at this point in the kind of mm, hippie counterculture yeah. movement, because... Obviously, there was more to it at that point. Like, you know, everything they had done just by taking LSD wasn't making the changes that they wanted necessarily. They were making some changes, but, you know, could have been a little little focused, a little more focused without the LSD. Right. (laughs) I think that's true. I think I'm willing to agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Usually. Yeah. The uh, the chimp and the lady are walking up the hill casually. Excuse me, the ape. Yes. I don't think that it's a chimp. Yeah. The ape and the lady are walking up a hill casually while our gang climb a treacherous cliff yeah. face. Very funny when the one lady has to fuck the mountain <laughs> through the clothes to release herself from the grip of fear. <laughs> yeah, that one that one had me laughing out loud for a while. That was yeah. uh there's just some moments in this movie where it's like, uh yeah, that's why that is definitely why people think hippies are cringy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> that's right but it's followed up by one man who couldn't forget his body so his hand freezes oh yeah and they demand he cut off his fingers or go back and, and he, he cuts his cut fingers off. off yeah 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 he just cuts them off yeah they, they, they flip right past that <laughs> they do and they finish climbing the toughest part but the magician warns them here come the visions of death oh yeah and it starts as they ascend with a tiger that comes from nowhere but does seem to be real definitely real it's kind of hard to yeah, tell yeah. yeah 
Oh, I mean, for sure they filmed yeah, with a yeah. real tiger. But I mean, like, even in the world of the movie, it seems to be like, oh, I just have this tiger here now. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it is hard to tell because then the visions do come and there's no indication that these aren't reality either yeah. until they cut back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which it helps to make it so shocking. You know, suddenly they discover a bunch of stuck horses, horses, yeah. and the woman like just cuts the meat right off their still living flanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a guy that there's like horses fucking at some point, or not horses, uh, cows trying to fuck at some point. Right, and they, I mean, they all face their own vision of terror and dehumanization. Yeah. There's raining gold coins, drumming with bones to a dog fight. A tree of dead chickens with a woman who cuts off a guy's dick and strings him up along with that the rest of the chickens. That scene was metal as fuck. That one looked cool. That, yeah. That, one with the, the that one's cool. The one I really like is the one with the guy suckling at the breast <laughs> of the half yeah, man, yeah. half woman, and then the breasts turn to leopards that forcefully spray milk yeah, at the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, what a scene. I don't even know where to begin there. Yeah. I don't. I don't powerful, know what the powerful. Don't stuff. know what any of that symbolism is supposed to be. But man, I he's. I don't think. I don't think we need to say. I don't think we need to, to go deep into that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the chimp and the lady continue. Excuse me. The ape and the lady continue to ascend, but it's snowy and gross for them. Yeah. Meanwhile, the group discovers the immortals. Yes. Meditate here for three hours and then attack. Marvels, I'll hang back because. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> They discover Marvel's Wait, the, isn't there the nine of them too? correct. That sounds oh, right. Shit. I believe it. I mean, this is oh, a shit. thing that this is what he's saying is it goes back yeah, and back yeah. and back. Even all the way to Marvel. Back all the way to Marvel. The very <laughs> the original the story. First, the first <laughs> myth. <laughs> the first. Yeah. <laughs> um, the magician says, you don't need a master now. Just go and attack them in three hours. Goodbye. Here, the thief. It's a giant ass sword. Please chop off my head since you know what to do. Yeah. Suddenly, surprise, it was a lamb's head that you chopped. And now you can begin oh, to learn. Yeah, that's right. You know, what the, the fuck? Where all of a sudden it's a, it switches and it's a lamb. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. He leads over the, the ape party who have arrived and he says, marry this woman who came all the way because she loves you. Reach eternity through love. That's how you will become immortal. Um, all right. And the rest of the group yeah. does approach the table. Yeah. And they attack. And it turns out everything's a mannequin except for one, which is the magician. And Jodorowsky looks around with just the funniest look on his yes. face. He's like, ain't I a stinker? Yeah. Yeah, he literally <laughs> does that. Yeah, yeah. You can't see this, but he does the whole like hands on the side of your heads, just kind of, you know, yeah. wiggling. Waggling yeah. them. Just, yeah. And everyone cracks up. They love everyone it. thinks it's fucking hilarious. It's they're yeah. just like, ah, oh, you. I, uh, he got us. Yeah, he got us good. Like, we climbed this mountain. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we burned all we our burned money, all so our money. oh my god you're so fucking funny <laughs> that's right he invites them to sit though he looks at us which is disconcerting yes. and kind of horrific for him to break the fourth wall yes. that that way first yeah <laughs> just starts talking to you <laughs> yeah he gives them the secret though we came to be gods but we're more human than ever we have discovered reality instead of immortality Zoom back, camera, he says, looking directly down the back. Yes. It's terrifying, and it does, revealing the crew around the table as well. We are images, dreams, photographs, and we must not stay here as prisoners. We shall break the illusion, he says. <laughs> and they tip the table. Yeah. Goodbye to the holy mountain. Real life awaits us. Yeah. 
fade to white. Yeah, and they just they just all turn around and start walking away. They, they fuck just, off. They go their separate they just, ways. They, like he's just like, holy mountain is important. There is no immortality. Touch grass. <laughs> like <Right. laughs> that's essentially how he ends this film. Pretty much, yeah. Um, according to the commentary, a bunch of the actors were enraged by this ending, especially <laughs> since he initially was going to have them ascend and become immortal. So several of them didn't speak to him for years after this. Oh, wow. You can you can kind of see a few of them having like somewhat strange reactions to the final like uh, uh, speech. Like the guy next to him yeah. seems like he's. He's either laughing or he's in disbelief or like yeah he's shocked about what he's, he's shocked about what he's hearing and what he's taking part in I think mm-hmm. um, I think he's the first one that's starting to like wonder like wait what is this <laughs> you know <laughs> um, and yeah. this yeah. is what I like to call the Monty Python and the Holy Grail ending of Holy Mountain <laughs> because yeah much like in Monty Python and the Holy Grail it just ends. There's no conclusion necessary. Like there yeah. is a conclusion, I suppose. Like if you look at it, you know, in, in, in a holistic way, there's definitely like a a point to all of this. But um, right. I remember the first couple of times watching this, like it, it was probably the part I, I liked the least, I think. But now it's one of the parts I like more than than ever. You know, I just think it's so fascinating because it demands that you sit with. Yeah. It. Yeah. There's no like, well, that's the natural conclusion of the yeah. movie. Like you have to be yeah. like, what? What is that? Yeah. Why is he doing it this yeah. way? Like, what is this? And, mean? It's, not like, and it's not like this it is can... the thing that you need to do in order to reach right. this stage of enlightenment. He's like, right. actually, so you have to really engage yeah, with you it. You just got to touch it, grass. And engage with it by not engaging with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, basically this this um, movie's uh, uh, tagline is like, touch grass, you piece of shit. You can turn into gold. <laughs> there you go. There you absolutely go. Yeah. Holy uh, mountain, and now, everyone. Brad, we've reached the part of the episode where we sum up why this isn't just a yeah. good horror movie, but is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to let you start. Well, um, I think it's the best horror movie ever made uh, because it just uh, it sticks with you, uh, both with the, the the body horror and the imagery. Like, it, it's stuff of nightmares. It'll keep you up at night. And um, you, you'll think back to it throughout the years. You know, it'll just it'll just come to you in the in the in the in the dark of the night. You'll you'll start to think yeah. about a scene from Holy Mountain, and uh, you'll start to question your existence and stuff. Uh, it's it's yeah. existential horror. It's body horror. It's it's uh, uh, just a, a a trip of of sorts. Um, I don't know. This movie's got a lot going for it and uh i think it is horrifying and has always made me question everything so that's my yeah my uh contribution there yeah, you go what do you think there you go um to me this is the best horror movie ever made i'm going to start off by saying why i think it is a fascinating and interesting movie yeah and then narrow it down to horror mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that this movie is fascinating because it is. It builds and builds and builds and lures you in with this idea of the rhetoric yeah. of spiritual enlightenment. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and then it does this incredible rug pull at the yeah. end that literally says, "Engage with reality." Yeah, the world needs us. Yeah, 
you know, you get a crowd going into this that's expecting mystical revelations. Oh, Alejandro Jodorowsky is here to teach us about the meaning of life. Yeah. And he says, who the fuck am I? Yeah. Like, you can't come to this movie yeah. for the meaning of life. You have to just get out there and live it. That's the meaning of life, basically. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there's another quote here that he said, I wanted to show that we were moving from fairy tale symbolism to reality and to reveal that I was not a master, just a human being who was searching for something. Damn, dude. He is just part of the crew the whole yeah. time. And in El Topo, the idea of that movie is that the path to enlightenment is self-destructive and impossible. Hmm. No matter how many times you perform the act, it ends in failure. The mole digs its whole life in search of the sun only to be blinded by the light mm. is basically, I mean, El Topo literally is the mole. Like that, that's what he's going for there. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what that is meaning. Okay. Meanwhile, with Holy Mountain, while he sort of, you know, blasphemes in ways against traditional religion, yeah. the idea of paradoxically following the path and shrugging off all contemporary notions of achieving enlightenment yeah is what allows him to recognize the confines of his world. Yeah. And all illusion has to be dispersed yeah. in order for someone to be enlightened, including the one he's made for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he there's that that famous Magritte painting, The Treachery of Images, yeah. and he says, "See that this is not a pipe. That this is an image of a pipe." Yeah. And these are just images of people they are not real people they cannot tell you the meaning of life you can you have to decide that for yourself the only bonds are the ones you place on yourself and you need to as you say touch grass get out there yeah. live life that's yeah. it yeah yeah so i i think that that is such a fascinating thing to do just on yeah. its own as a movie placed within jodorowsky's yeah filmography i think yeah. it's fascinating i will say about the ending um he i think at the end says so he says something about maya which um the veil of maya is a hindu tradition of like where you pull back the curtain and you actually see the reality for what it really is so um yeah go. yeah he he definitely like he's like yo now it's it's open now check check it all yeah. out i also think he even he embodies counterculture more truly than a lot of other people, because instead of just saying, ah, yes, they're right. LSD is the answer. <laughs> like that would have been. An yeah, easy thing yeah. To do. Which is what a lot of people were kind of pushing. Instead, he says the subculture du jour can be as restrictive as Catholicism. He wants everyone to reevaluate their beliefs and where they came from. Mm -hmm. And yet it is a happy ending. Yeah. Because the worst thieves in the solar system were able to be redeemed. That's true. That's true. Like, they did get, like, you know, they, they did all have a redemption arc in, in the end, you know? Right. Yeah. And, I, I mean, they are, uh, sort of, they are enlightened at the end. Yeah. But the enlightenment is, like, just go fuck off. Like, that is yeah. what yeah. it is. Like, yeah. that's what it is. So they reach, they got what they paid for, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, to get to the horror yes. part. To me, this is the best horror movie specifically because there is just so much to unnerve you yeah. in this movie. Yeah. It is designed in every way to get under your skin. Yeah. Whether that's through religion, whether that's through body horror, whether that's through an existential crisis that it breeds, 
everything about this movie is designed to make you feel claustrophobic and like it is closing in around you and 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 demanding something of you. Yeah. And so then for it to puncture that by having this ending that gives you that release that lets you say, ah, the horror is ended and now I can engage with the message of the movie. Yeah. To me, that is so interesting yeah. and so hard to accomplish. Yeah, you know, you get yeah. all these movies that are about grief or some sort of trauma in some fashion or another. And oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes they have to sacrifice some of the scares or atmosphere or whatever in order to sort of communicate that metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a little ham-fisted. Yeah. And here, because as we talked about at the beginning, it's so uninterested in everybody picking up the individual pieces of the metaphor and instead seeing the forest instead of the trees. Yeah. It accomplishes these this metaphor in a way that is more efficient and more exciting to me than any of these movies that are just like, do you get it that the ghost is like the grief hanging around yeah yeah (laughs) well it's also kind of uh it's almost just a uh a lightning round kind of through like zen buddhism you know like uh yeah and uh um just kind of world religion and world culture you know and understanding that there are different perspectives different religions and they're all interacting with one another you know and it asks you to look inside, which is the scariest thing imaginable. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's that part where they're on the mountain and they look <laughs> in the bucket with the water. And they're like, oh, there's someone in there. And they all like, yeah, they all you, like hey, it's, it's, it's me, I think. So it's like. Oh, yeah. I don't even recognize yeah. that guy yeah, anymore. Like, yeah, they, that's, uh, that part was that's kind right. of funny. <laughs> that's right. I want to leave us with one last yeah. quote from Joe yeah, Borowski yeah. that I thought was interesting. And he said, when the self ceases to exist, the world exists. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jodorowsky. (laughs) Thank you, Jodorowsky. And thank you to Brad. I want to thank you for coming on the show. This was a ton of fun. Great one to walk through. Please tell the people where they can find you, your podcast, all that stuff. So um, the podcast is the Album Concept Hour, and uh, you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Although uh, a few of the episodes, uh, I'm, I'm having to go through the copyright police to get back up because, uh, oh, you know, no. music podcast comes with the territory. Sure. Um, Difficult. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We got, uh, you know, about 160 something episodes now. Um, so you got a lot of weird uh, concept albums to choose from. If you enjoyed what we were talking about here, we definitely get into a few concept albums that are, I don't know if any of them get this weird but i mean this is this is fucking weird i mean go check out the pink, pink lemonade, lemonade one's pretty weird get to yeah, hear yeah. your your buddy george yeah. and uh and and talking more about stuff like yeah. this and so. we've had uh we've had some uh, a guest of yours uh kevin bartelt has been on our our, our podcast and um talking gizzy giz yeah yeah um and uh yeah we we the lovable lads from lizard pool <laughs> yes. is the name i've been trying yeah. to oh, yeah. trying to get oh, yeah, going yeah, yeah i think that that needs to be coined um I'm saying it recorded, it recorded. here so that's that true. That's true. there's like a time yes. mark right yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm the one to you, say it. I haven't I haven't yeah. looked at on Twitter or yeah. anything. I haven't because I don't want to know if anyone has said it. Before. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, when when you whenever you hear this, uh, quote George on the subreddit for King Gizzard. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, um, 
Great. Hey, Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Instagram, on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, uh, Twitter, it's uh, Album Concept Pod. Uh, Instagram, it is at Flyover State Park. And um, yeah, I also am on YouTube. I got some uh, uh, reviews and reactions at uh, Flyover State Park on YouTube. So uh, yeah, yeah. There if you, you want to see my, 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 my gourd and my, my friend's gourds. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about some music, and uh, we eat hot wings sometimes while we listen to music. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Definitely check that out, folks. Yeah. Uh, as far as my plugs, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd, that little horror PHL. Um, that username applies pretty much everywhere, but those are the main two places that I'm at these mm-hmm. days. Uh, it's also the the address for the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash PHL, where you can find all kinds of great bonus episodes, including... Stuff like Kevin Bartelt talking about uh, The Last of Us Part 2 for two and a half hours. Um, we talked about, we just did another Choose Your Own Adventure book with John Mackey uh, uh, doing some some very fun character work there as we went through that. Oh, cool. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, a lot of, lot, lot of great yeah. stuff happening over there. Things that don't necessarily fit into best horror movie ever made uh, over here. So go check out the Patreon for just a couple bucks a month. I, I purposely, do you know how easy it is? To get shitty, annoying ads on a podcast, places like Anchor will pay you pennies, pennies, (laughs) so that you can put it in front of people's ears. And I have more respect for you, listener, than to do that. And so, come on, throw me a couple bucks for respecting your goddamn autonomy over there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take that speech, and I think I'm just going to play it at the end of... All of my episodes, too. You know what I mean? That's a, that's, that's a good... Definitely. That's, that you, you hit the nail on the head, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, check out the Patreon. If you really are like, I cannot spring for the $5 a month, rating and a review on iTunes or Apple, Apple Podcasts is always helpful. Get it in front of more people. The really most helpful thing, even more helpful than the $5 on Patreon, is literally telling somebody you know about the podcast and saying, hey... I liked that episode. Yeah. Go check out this yeah. podcast. This is a great one to start yeah. with, but there's also all kinds of great episodes on the main feed that uh, people can get access yeah, to. Yeah. So yeah, do yeah, that, DC please. Peterson on Derek Comedy. That was the one. That was, oh, yeah, that was the one I was real excited to check out. Ooh, it's a oh, classic. Yeah. We talked about Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A great movie. A funny guy. Um, a very funny guy. And uh, many funny guys and gals and non-binary yeah, people yeah. throughout the show's run. Yeah, so go I, check I, it I, out. Uh, <laughs> I am honored to be among uh, your list of guests. Uh, honestly, it's so cool to be in the same you know, level as DC Pearson <laughs> and Kevin Bartelt. Well, we're, we're happy to have rest. you here, Brad. Yes. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's it, yeah. everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.